Welcome to a single serving podcast. I'm your host, Shani Silver. I started this podcast because whenever I saw content for single women, it was about dating, how to date better, how to survive dating. And I know that we deserve more than that. So I created this podcast to change the way being single is seen, discussed, and felt. And I'm so happy to have you here with me. I hope you'll also consider joining the Facebook group for this podcast. It's become a really supportive community full of people sharing stories and encouraging one another and actually meeting up in real life too. There are three main ways that you can support this podcast. The first is simply share it. Share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share it with your family. Share it with your friends. Anybody who could use a change in perspective when it comes to being single. The second way is you can rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It takes two seconds and it's a huge deal that really helps podcasters um, get more visibility and continue to do their work. And then the third way is you can become a patron of mine on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that helps independent creators earn money for creating the work that people enjoy. So there are multiple tiers that you can join, but my favorite one is a $5 tier that comes with an extra bonus episode of this podcast every single month. So there will be a link to it below. Check it out. And in the meantime, thank you so much for joining me. Lovelies, I don't know how, but it has been one year since the launch of a single serving podcast. And if I knew how to add an applause track to a podcast, there would be one playing right now. But since I don't, here's just, those are my hands. Those, those are my hands. Okay. I'm so happy that it is the one year anniversary. I cannot believe it. I am so excited to celebrate this with you. I had intended to celebrate it in more places other than my apartment, but that's not going to happen because we're in quarantine and everyone is staying home and washing their hands. So um, in order to celebrate the one year anniversary of this podcast, I have brought on a very, very special guest. She is my best friend. Her name is Swathi Nara. She has been my friend since 2005, which is a very long time ago and she's seen literally every day of my single life she's been my friend through all of that poor thing so she's um she's an incredible person and I'm so grateful that she joined me on the podcast I've been wanting to do this with her for a long time because we have a very good rapport and I thought that you guys might enjoy listening to us have a chat. All of the questions were submitted by you guys through the Facebook group. I gave her the full list of all the questions that came through and she picked a few to ask me on this episode. Again, I, I'm so grateful for for this podcast, for all of you, its audience. I still can't believe that this is a thing that exists. I can't believe I get to do this and that you listen and you share with your friends and you connect with each other in the Facebook group and you meet up in real life. Like this is this is beyond. I was, I don't know what I was expecting when I started the podcast and I'll get into that in this episode. I don't know what my goals were. I don't know what I thought I was doing, but hang on ambulance. So I don't know what my, my goals or really like what I thought the outcome was going to be, but you have surpassed all of the expectations that I had for creating a podcast. And I cannot wait to see where it goes from here. I am so happy and proud and grateful um, and overly verbose right now. Like I'm taking up way too much time with this introduction and I just want to get into this conversation because I think you're really going to like it. Um, So from the bottom of my heart to all of you, um, especially to all of you who are patrons on Patreon, you guys have no idea how much that support means to me. Um, Thank you all so, so much for being a part of this community. It is my favorite thing. It is just my favorite thing in the world. I love it so much. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I hope you enjoy this anniversary episode. I really, this is so different for me, recording a podcast with someone that I know well. I've never done that before, ever. 
Like, I've thought about having a host, like a co-host or something, but I'm way too controlling. So, like, no, I can't do that. You look very professional in your headphones. You have, like, a whole setup. I'm surprised there's not, like, actually, like, a colored background or something. The setup is literally a tissue box. Look at this. The thing is sitting on a That's box of tissue. That's a microphone. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, like, the one official piece of equipment that I bought before I started doing the podcast. And, like, I don't want, ironically, I don't want, like shitty sound for this thing but it picks up noise from the street so like i get people driving by playing music out of their cars and shit in this mic yeah well your usual um i guess shenanigans that are happening outside i haven't heard but oh i mean give I, it that's time. <laughs> I feel like every even like when i you know i do those like um melissa wood health workouts and they're like, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and there's always honking or something. And everyone in New York, whenever they record anything, they're always apologizing for like the noise. My mom may come in here, by the way. So just FYI. I hope she, I would love nothing more than an Unjum's cameo. Are you kidding? That'd be fantastic. <laughs> can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Where's Clem? Little bitch. Clem, the little bitch, is uh, sitting on her tuffet. <laughs> Being her her usual shitbird self, she might make an appearance. She can't hear your voice because I have headphones oh, right. on. She responds very well to your voice specifically, but like it's probably because it's very loud. <laughs> you do have a potent tone. I will say that I do. I do. It accidentally commands attention even when I don't want it to. God bless it. I need it today more mm. than ever. Tell everybody who you are and how we know each other. My name is Swathi Nara. I have known Shaney since 2005. We met on the steps of Loyola Law School in the quad before law school started. And we were wearing the same James Purse t-shirt dress. I think I was wearing mine in black. Yeah, mine was you pink. you had a white one? Mine was baby pink. Yeah. You have no yeah. idea okay, how so were- badly I want that again. So you were doing the blush pink before anybody was doing the blush pink. Thank you. At last, somebody <laughs> gives me the fucking credit that I deserve. It was because yeah, I had we were... like really tan skin back then. So I was like super confident wearing pastels. Now I would just like recede into the background with my vampirish tone to my skin. <laughs> and we both were naive and super excited to start law school and, you know, ready to change the world. And thank God, too, because if I had listened to anyone who had said, don't go to law school, this is a mistake, I never would have met you. So I've, and I've said this to you before, like my student loans are essentially me paying off our friendship. Like that's what's happening. (laughs) We made some really good friends and I wouldn't trade that experience for anything, even though we graduated right during the recession um, and shit was hitting the fan and the world was topsy-turvy, which fast forward, 12 years later. Ain't much change. We are dead. I mean, honestly, it seems a little worse. But anyways, yes. Yeah. I wouldn't change that experience. I'm so happy um, that I went there and I met you. And now we have this lovely best friend relationship for so long that I would be lost without. Same. I really would be too. I think if I did not have you and Barbara and now Connor, shit would hit the fan on the reg. Like, it's it's very grounding. I was thinking about this earlier today. I'm like, what the hell am I going to talk about in an anniversary episode? Like, what do you look back on and reflect that, like, makes you, like, proud and happy? Do you know what I figured out? 
do you remember how I used to be drawn to like really, really, or like need really funny, witty, quick men? Like that was like what I wanted in a guy. Yeah. Like I want someone yeah, to have the yeah. verbal cadence of Ryan Reynolds. Like I thought that that's what I wanted. <laughs> now at 37, knowing what I know and doing the work that I've done, I realize how often I already have that in my friends and how I already have that in the women that I'm drawn to for like friendships and things like that. I mm-hmm. get that banter and that quickness and that wit through friendships. And that has allowed me to like look a little bit deeper at what I really need in like a romantic relationship, which I think is very cool. Do you think that's happened in the last year or is that just like an evolution of the last 10 years? Say It's hard to say because I haven't dated in so long that I don't know what I've been looking for because I haven't really been looking for anything. I've kind of just been like working on my own shit and creating my own stuff and not really thinking about men but like getting into to 2020 before it you know went to hell in a handcart I was trying to think more about what I was looking for in a partner and I took stock of it and one of the things that that was really interesting was like a lot of what I had been looking for previously I already have it's just in friends I mean I 1000% agree with you and you obviously know my partner and while he is a gem in a lot of ways, there are a lot of things that I have to have in my life that don't come from him. And I think it's a real burden to expect that from one person to be all the things that you need in life. And while I do think that there are people maybe who have that, they're very few and far between. And I actually am really grateful for everything that my friends or my brother or my husband or my mom, everyone brings something unique that I need. And I know who I can go to for those kinds of things. Um, And I think that's really important to know because otherwise you're looking for this one fantasy person. And I don't know if it necessarily exists. I agree. I absolutely agree. I used to also look at my friends partnering as like the death of a friendship And now I am like old and wise enough to see, and perhaps this is like Dr. J. Miller's like doing, is that when people partner, nothing is ending. You are gaining. You are not losing anything. You are simply gaining a whole other person that you're probably going to like by default because they are connected to someone you really love. Like Barbara's husband, who she just married, Will. Yeah. Fantastic mm-hmm. human. I would really like you to meet him, actually. I think you always, I mean, you always say that. I know I'm like, very excited to meet him. Yeah. And she's so happy. It's, I need to have her on too. I need to have Barbara and but, Connor on the podcast as well. But there are people who are in relationships with people that they're like, I mean, I love that you love your person, but we don't need to be friends. <laughs> and I mean, that, ex- that, ex- that exists too. But yeah, in our situation, I'm very happy that you love Jay and would be friends with him even if I weren't around. I don't think I would be friends with him if you weren't around. And that's only because like, I don't see him seeking out a lot of friendships in life. So how would we have met? You know what I mean? (laughs) But yeah, you wouldn't have just like picked him up somewhere. That's for sure. No, like we wouldn't have played darts (laughs) at a bar. Like that would not have happened. Like it just would not. But in 2008, it would have happened. God, maybe not in maybe not in 2020. I was looking through our old pictures to try to find a picture to like lead this episode. I always have like a picture of the guest. Yeah. Um, and I was going through our old shit and um, all the pictures that I have of us are from Chicago. Because as you know, I deleted my Flickr from our time in LA, RIP. But I do have yeah. one picture from LA. 
and it's when we're both wearing the Dita Lotus sunglasses. Oh, R.I.P. Those. Yeah. Do they still make them? I don't know, but I'm going to go on eBay when we're done talking and find out. Because for those of you who don't know, Dita is a fantastic like eyewear brand. And they used to make this sunglass shape called the Lotus. And it just happened to look perfect on both of our faces. And yeah. I left mine on the counter at an American Apparel in 2009. And I've never forgiven myself, ever. Well, you know I still have them. Because you still have everything. Like, I swear <laughs> to God, like, you don't, you don't purge or... Like, you know that things have a purpose in your closet when they go in. So there's very rarely a time that they would need to come out. I mean, I love you for for saying that. I definitely probably should purge. But yes, I still have those glasses and they were universally flattering on everybody. And I don't know if they still make them, but I feel like we should probably check it out and see and then repurchase because... They, those were classic. Maybe that's like my anniversary gift to myself is buying the Dita Lotus. Oh my God, let me buy them for you. I mean, I won't say no. I will, but I won't. Like, Go around. Do what you got to do. Yeah, um, actually, uh, that would actually be a perfect anniversary gift. I agree. <laughs> I can't believe it's been a fucking year. That's actually, so that's like the first question, question I want to ask you. Maybe the only one, and then I'm going to let you drive. But what was the first thought in your head when I told you I wanted to start a podcast? I think I was like, not surprised. I definitely wasn't surprised because I'm always getting emails from you about books that you have in mind, or topics that you want to write about. And the difference between you and most people I know, is that you do it. You do it. So like, you'll tell me hey, I had this great idea for this book and here are the first four chapters. <laughs> like, this bitch has already done it. So, I mean, when you told me about the podcast, I think it was the beginning of March when we were kind of talking about names and such and we were going back and forth. And within three weeks, you had the logo, you had the intro, you had equipment, and I think you had your first guest book. Meanwhile, I was like still trying to like figure out my New Year's resolutions in March. <laughs> and you had an idea and saw it through in three weeks. So, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I think I was like, yeah, she's going to do it. And it was done. And I don't know. I'm just. I'm so impressed with you. Like that is one of the things that I admire about you the most is that you do not sit on your ass and wait for things to happen. You get it done. And I find it hugely inspiring um, to be around that. And here we are a year later. Not only have you done it, you've been consistent. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's it's insane. Like, there are certain decisions I've made in life where it's like, I don't even feel like I'm in the driver's seat. I feel like something else is propelling it forward. There are three that I know of in modern memory. One is this podcast. I was just like, the thought came into my head one day and it did not leave. Like the instant I was like, oh, I should do this. It was being done. And it was almost like I wasn't even in control of it. It just like propelled itself forward in a way. The other one was adopting Clementine. When I went to the shelter and saw her, I like, I don't, everyone's like, oh, when you find the right cat, you'll know. This bitch was missing half her fur. She looked miserable. And I was just like, 
I remember looking at her thinking, you look like I feel you can come and live with me. It wasn't like, oh, this is the perfect cat. Like that wasn't, it wasn't there. Even when they, they took her out of the cage and let me hold her for a second, she wasn't into it. I wasn't into it, but I'm still like, no, that's my cat. So that was the other one where I was just like, it gut instinct, just like led. And the last one is law school. The day that I decided I was going to go to law school was the day that law school was definitely happening. And there was no changing my mind, no matter what I heard, no matter the warnings. Fuck, sometimes I wish I would have listened to like one of them and just maybe cautiously not taken on that much student loan debt. But like I said, so much good has come out of it. (laughs) How does one, it was, it was just the path that I had to follow. I think, I think that was just me aligning with what I was meant to do. Well, and I think that whatever decisions that we do make, they ultimately lead to other pathways in your life that maybe there's not even a connection like from 2005 to 2020, but the different opportunities that have come because of that, just by virtue of people you've met, um, it just, it, it, it sort of opens that door and there's really, there's really no stopping it. It's just kind of propels you. Yeah. So bless it. Um, (laughs) you know, anyways, here we are here. We are a year later. Oh my God. It's so crazy that it, it went by both very quickly and very slowly. And I kind of can't believe what it's become because to me, it feels both really big and still like sky's the limit in terms of growth. Like I see people who are like on the front page of Apple podcasts and I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's what I would like yeah. to do. I, would I mean, like, I see that for you for thank sure. You. Thank you. I, I didn't, if you would have asked me like a little more than a year ago, me talking into a microphone as like a career path would have been batshit crazy. And now I want to do this so badly because I love it. I still don't have like the same confidence level that I have when I write because I'll, that's when I'm the most confident bitch on the planet. Like you can't right. tell me I'm a bad writer because fuck you. <laughs> but with this, I have so much to learn and so much growing to do. And like every time I interview someone, I feel like I get better at it. And every time I like structure an episode, I feel like I get better at it. But mostly like from the the group of women that are listening to this and like inviting their friends into the Facebook group like that, like I know I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. I know I'm meant to be helping people feel better than they felt the day before because of this thing that we never should have felt bad about in the first place. Yeah. Well, I mean, I actually think that leads us right into our kind of first question. I mean, you kind of touched on a little bit, which I'm going to delve into a little bit further, but I feel like this is like the most important question. It's really like the genesis for why we're even talking and how this podcast even started. But what helped you shift your mentality about being single from something negative into something positive? There is like a light bulb moment story that I've told told a few times, but really it was just, I was sick of hating my life. And I knew that that wasn't why I was put here. Like I knew there was, I was alive for more than hating my life, than hating every day, than being miserable every day, than searching for something I couldn't fucking find every day. I was like, that's not why I'm here. That is not why I was born. That's not why anyone is born. I don't believe that we are here to hate being here. And that can and has led me down far darker paths. But this time, I just, I was so done. 
I was so done hating being single. You have literally seen every single day of my single life. You are one of the very few, if not the only person who has literally seen from like breakup day to present, which Mm -hmm. heaven help you, my friend, that has been a journey, but I couldn't be unhappy anymore. I think it changed because I couldn't deal with being that unhappy anymore. It was enough. It was just enough. And the more I started thinking of, well, how else can I be? What other ways are there to be? The more it was like, oh, this is why you've been single this whole time, to be able to tell people that there are better ways to live like this. Like it doesn't have to be this hellhole of endless swiping and feeling unwanted and feeling like shit while you're getting older. Like it just, it doesn't have to be this miserable life. It doesn't have to be. And I very easily could have stayed stuck in that forever. As you well know, I have been prone to pits of despair, but like, I didn't want to be there anymore. I just didn't want to be there anymore. And I chose a different way. Well, I even remember like five years ago, anytime there would be a bad date or something good would happen. But then a couple of dates later, it would turn out to be terrible. You would always say, this is going in the book. I will not let these feelings go to waste. There is a lesson here. There is a funny anecdote here. There is a story here and it is fodder. And I always thought that was such a smart (laughs) way of looking at it because it's not just taking a situation, a bad situation that's happening to you, but how can you turn it around and make it positive for you? And maybe for other people, too. Obviously, that's what's happening now. I'm telling you, may whatever hurts my feelings eventually make me money. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Put that on the t-shirt. Seriously. I mean, that's how, <laughs> that's that's it. Like, it's all content. Ironically, it's like everything that happened because I have this because this is my my talent and my gift is writing and telling stories. Heaven help you if you ever piss off a writer. Truly. Oh, yeah. You're like Taylor Swift. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's the only time that comparison will ever be made. But exactly. I mean, you and I have this is like a a tangent, but you and I have different differing opinions on Taylor Swift that we should probably take offline. But as you know, I love her. I feel like she's extremely misunderstood. But yes, you take your feelings and you put it out in a way that is funny and relatable. So, I mean, God bless you, Shani. God Thanks. bless you. Thanks, Swathi. Did that, did that answer so your it, question? It does. And I guess this, this, the next question kind of goes back to, all right, well, you've been a writer for so long and we will touch a little bit on that and how you got to that point. But I mean, podcasting is a whole genre. What made you, like, what was the straw that broke the camel's back that you were like, I, this needs to not be in a written format. I need to talk to people and put this out in a podcast. It happened because I was listening to um, multiple other podcasts led by women who have, you know, social media presences out there and they do other things out in the world. And the podcast was sort of supplemental to everything else that they did. But there is a phrase in the English language that kept being repeated over and over and over again. And every time I heard it, the thought in my head was, you have to do this and you have to do this better. And the phrase is, I think for me, 
over and over and over again on an endless. Jamie, have we said that 30 times already? Are you going to edit those? Yeah, I'm going to edit some of it, but I mean, like, watch your mouth. Like, I just kept, it, it was, everyone was just waiting for their own turn to speak. No one was asking follow-up questions to what someone had just said. It wasn't a dialogue. It was a, it was a display of one's own prowess. And it was always like, I think for me, I think for me, I think for me. And I'm like, I think for me, I'm going to shut this shit off because I have things to say that are more interesting. Sorry. Like it was just, I wanted to supplement my work on Medium and my work on Refinery and, and everywhere that I'd written. I wanted to, those places are just my perspective, right? And I knew that there were so many perspectives other than mine, but that mine was also something that I wanted to share so to do that, I was like, oh, I'll just have conversations with like all different kinds of people and we'll talk about this shit together and it'll be really fun. And then I'll get to have a podcast. And wouldn't that be nice? Were you scared? I mean, I would be. I mean, I'm a person who 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 talks a lot, but the first instinct I feel is fear. I mean, even when you ask me to do this episode, I'm like, oh, I, ew, you want me to talk and like be recorded and people can play it back and it's there for eternity. Were you nervous? Because that isn't the genre that you're, or the, I guess the media that you're used to conversing in and having that dialogue in. Did that, was that even part of the equation? Yeah, I was terrified. I think for the first 15 episodes or so, I was terrified to push record with you. I pushed it while you were talking about your prom dress and you didn't notice, but like (laughs) for the first I would say 15 or so episodes, every time I would press record, I was terrified. I was really, really terrified because I'm like, and I don't even know what that fear is because it was like after the first couple minutes, I was totally relaxed and I hope my guests were relaxed and I give them the interview questions in advance so they know what's coming. But yeah, I was really scared and I don't know where that fear comes from. I don't know why I was afraid. Maybe it was because it wasn't my field yet. It wasn't my area. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. That first episode with Jesse Jollis, she was in my living room and we had no idea how to set anything up. It was like very new. The sound is terrible, but like the conversation is on point. I really love talking to Jesse. She has like a really beautiful perspective. And I love how funny she is. She's, she's fantastic. I need to have her back. Um, but yeah, I was really scared. Still am. I, I'm still scared yeah. all the time. Every time I email someone and ask them to be on the podcast, there's like a moment of vulnerability where it's like, well, they might say no, or they might say nothing. But if you mm-hmm. don't have the guts to like try, you just be talking to yourself the whole time. And I mean, I can do that too, but I prefer having a conversation because I have better breath control. I find when I talk to another person, I have zero breath control in my Patreon episodes, which are solo. I apologize guys. I'm so sorry, but like, I'm trying to get better. Is that a thing? Breath control? Um, yes. And it's why Cardi B is famous because hers is amazing. <sighs> okay. I'm going to be Googling breath control and Cardi B. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this episode is over. <laughs> Um, the things that you learn. Okay. All right. What are the top three things, whether it's a book, a podcast, an Insta account, anything that have really changed your perception of being single? Mm. Yes. So the first is a book called Better Than Sane by Alison Rose, which I've spoken about before on this podcast. It was suggested to me by Christine Barbrick when she used to give me um, like book recommendations. I'll read anything she tells. I'll do whatever she tells me to do, essentially. Christine could be in charge of my life and I would be quite happy. Um, She gave me this book recommendation and I read it. And there was a line in that book about... So this was written by a woman in her 40s who was single. And 
she was talking about the little dishes of poison that married people serve to single women all the time without realizing it. Mm-hmm. Swathi's yeah. eyes just got so big. Like I she think, feels it. No, I, I remember, I feel like we've had this conversation and then I'm silently going through and cataloging in my head all the things I've ever said. And if I've been guilty of that, and of course I have, of course, I mean, naturally I have. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, definitely scary and i'm glad that you (laughs) brought that up because it really made me think about that i think i even said that in one of the reviews that i wrote or the review i wrote that was you you are better than most i will say for sure because you're far more aware i think maybe like you've seen so many of your friends at so many different stages of singlehood or relationship that you have a really solid perspective on that thing you don't have tunnel vision at all when it comes to your friends um but that line about little dishes of poison turned into something I wrote called single girls get the couch, which is another reason why you're amazing because you have a guest room. Fuck. You have two guest rooms. Like you're doing fine. Okay. You don't have to put this in the podcast, but like, can we talk about this? Remember when we went to Zion and we had a room and I was like, there's a separate room that we can all purchase, but we had decided that we were going to take this one room and I remember thinking, I'm like, oh, my God, does Shaney think because she is single, she's getting the couch? Because I would gladly sleep on the couch, but then she'd be sleeping with my husband, which is <laughs> fine with me. But I don't know if either of them are okay with it. But then Jay, like, I, I think I volunteered him for the couch. But I think that you were just too gracious to be like, no, of course you guys are staying in the same bed. And I'm going to sleep on the couch. Can I tell you Which was, yeah. Your bedroom, if memory serves, was up a set of stairs. And I was so sore from the subway hike that I couldn't traverse them. So me sleeping <laughs> on the couch was inevitable regardless. Um, I couldn't <laughs> move my legs up or down. I had to walk on like an even surface. <laughs> That's the hardest hike of my whole life. Of my whole life, I will never do it again, but I'm so glad I did it once. Um no, I, there's, there are certain situations where like, it's, it's not an issue. It's just like sort of a na- the natural order of things. Like obviously, although I would have laughed my ass off if you and I had shared the bedroom and Jake got the couch, that would have been a fucking riot. Um, but no, it's, it's in other situations. Like one that comes to mind was when I was on a trip with like my dearest friends ever from college and there were two couples and me and I didn't get the couch, but I did get the bunk bedroom. So there were these teeny little kid beds that were bunk beds and that's where I was sleeping. And like, as a woman in your early thirties doing that, it's just like, it's a low point that I wish didn't feel as low as it does, but it does. We live in the world that we live in. And I kept thinking like, what if I was here with someone? Would I, would one of the other couples be sleeping on these bunk beds or would I still be in here? Like, what's the, what does that feel like? I've never been on a vacation, like where we've rented a house with someone ever. I've always been by myself. Um, but as I get older and I think probably because I've been doing this for so long now that I like all my friends here that I'll like go upstate with, they're all like, are you sure? Is that cool? Like, is that, are you cool with this? Room? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm totally cool with it guys. Love it. I, I actually prefer like the small bedroom with like the, I don't want to like have a suite to myself. That would feel so awkward, but it's, it's more about, it's more about how a single woman is regarded and less like where she's physically sleeping. You know what I mean? It's like, she's always assumed to get the shitty end of whatever stick is available. And that's not okay with me. Um, So that's what I, that's why I wrote that piece called single girls get the couch from Alison Rose's 
from that book inspiring me. So that book for sure is one of them. And then Single Girls Get the Couch is why every single day exists on Refinery29 because I sent it to Christine and she was like, why aren't you writing for us? And I was like, great question. Let's work together. And now we do. Um, That's one of them. I think... Oh God, um, I, it's it's weird, but um, he's just not that into you. It, it's not that it inspired me, but it's like the question he's just not that into you isn't the move. The move is why do you give a shit if he's interested in you or not? Why is it always the girl hoping for the guy's attention? Why is it never balanced? Why is it never equal? Why is it always I hope he likes me? Why is it always that? Why can't it be I hope she likes me or like I hope we like each other? Why is it always like this girl just hoping to be fucking chosen? Why is it that? It shouldn't be that. And it is. And I was sick of that, I think. That that movie has come to mind a couple times for a lot of different reasons. I really don't like when single women are put in the in the position of like the smaller one, the less worthy yeah, one. Yeah. It's an inferior position for sure that it places it places you in. Mm -hmm. I agree. I'm done with inferior. I have not been okay with inferior for about a year and a half. And it has been the best year and a half of my whole life, like rejecting the inferiority that I used to accept because I thought that that's what I deserved. Now I know that it's not. So it's like I don't have it's not like an arrogance thing. Like I'm not a dick now. Not that I know of. If I'm a dick, tell me. But like I I don't I don't accept inferiority anymore. And I don't accept imbalance anymore either. So that's how that helps. The third one, hmm. I don't have eyes. Well, if you don't have a third one, you yeah, if you don't have a third one, you don't have to come up with a third one. Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't, there isn't really anything that I consume as a single woman that like makes me change my mind any further. Maybe back then when I was still trying to like formulate my opinion about this shit, I was taking in information that helped. But right now I just see everybody doing stuff in this vein as like a colleague of mine. Like um, Nicholas Lawson, who's been on this podcast before, she writes a newsletter that is um, similarly candid like every single day. And she sends that out once a week and she links to other people who are doing work in this space as well. So it feels like just a like a, com- a community or, or a set of colleagues that are that are doing work like this. Um, but, yeah, I think the main thing is that book by Alison Rose. That was one of the first times that I like read like someone saying something honest that was calling out coupled people like don't shit on single women they are not less than you that was one of the first times that had happened don't you think she needs to be a guest on this podcast if i could find her she would be (laughs) okay well obviously for the last year you talked to a lot of women um a lot of smart funny insightful women from comedians to writers to makers um, and other professions, what do you think the one thing that you've learned collectively from all of them is about being single or maybe like a universal feeling about it from these specific people? I think the one thing we all have in common is once you start seeing single as something that is not wrong with you, once you stop treating it as a job, once you stop treating it as a problem to fix, we all have the same favorite thing about being single, which is freedom. We all really, really like how free we are. And it's that freedom and it's that like 
enjoyment for sort of being in charge all the time and sort of like every decision is our own. We're very independent, things like that. Like that sense of just like joy and peace that come with that kind of freedom, I think is very important to have and to experience really deeply because then you are so much less likely to be in a shitty relationship because you will not give up something you love for someone shitty. You will only like sort of share that freedom and sort of let somebody else into your life if it's really someone that needs to be there. I think that's what I love the most is like we all love freedom the most. Well, and I will say, I mean, the the physicality of being free of going and coming uh, as you want, doing what you want to do is certainly wonderful when you're single. But I, I also think in a relationship, the best relationships do make you also feel free, free to pursue the things that you want to do, free to think what you want to think, but always kind of having that safety net of, okay, we may think differently, or you may have to compromise a little bit, but really it's bringing out the best in both of us. And it's allowing us to kind of seek our own individuality and bring the best to the relationship. And ideally, that's what you want in a relationship. You feel free in that as well. Totally. And that's, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't want to, you know, say like all these platitudes about relationships. I mean, I think that's what I aspire to. And sure. I, and by the way, do I think that that happens every day, all day? No, but I think that the the takeaway from a good relationship is I feel free. So there have been many times in our relationship when I've said to you, if I ever do this in a relationship, take me out back and shoot me. Like I've given you strict instructions just to not let me <laughs> get away with certain shit. Um, if I ever hide a purchase from my partner take me out back like the idea of hiding something i bought for myself from someone else so that they don't know i did it scares the shit out of me like i want to spend my money and i'm not a crazy spender you know that like no i you're very fiscally responsible i mean thank god can you imagine this fucking quarantine anyway um So, yeah, that's that's one of those things that I want you because, you know, you've seen me infatuated with someone before. You've seen me like not in control of my decisions before because I was having relationships to feel like valid and to stop being ashamed of being single and stuff like that. Yeah. And so that it's clouded my judgment and I wanted you as a good backstop. And I hope that I am the same kind of backstop for you, probably for many other reasons. But like in general, if I ever (laughs) fuck up this, this bad, you have to help me. I don't want to hide uh, purchases. I don't know why I attach that. Like I, the idea of having to, that's what it is. It's permission. I don't want to ever have to get permission from a man to do anything ever. And I fear that so much. And that's probably my own shit to work through so that I can get over that because it has nothing to do with my relationship with everything to do with me. But like seeing like a woman that I know, like if we want to do something together, if she wants to buy something like first having to ask someone else, are you kidding right. me? Like, are you kidding me? Bitch, pull out your credit card and enjoy yourself. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand asking someone else permission to do something past the age of 18. I'm sorry. Like, they're not your parent. I This is totally my own shit. And I'm like projecting it out very far right now. But I never want to have to ask 
my husband permission to do anything. And I like to think if there were big decisions, it would be like a discussion rather than like, can I do this? That sort of thing. Yeah. Well, and I also think that you're conscientious enough to even be in a relationship where it's it's not asking permission of like, can I buy this $50 pair of shoes? You know, it's more about, does this make sense for our goals of, you know, we're saving for this. And you would automatically come to the decision whether it was in line with that or it wasn't in line with that. Um, But yes, I, I, I think we all know those couples where it's very much like they need to get their permission of their spouses to do anything. Although I will say that Jay, whenever Jay comes home with something, I'll be like, oh, what's that? He's like, oh, don't worry, I got it on sale. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, we've, I'm really that person now in our relationship. (laughs) I gotta tell you. He's like, I have to turn it to my mom. For the next like two years, whatever Jay comes home with, just let him have it. Like he's, he is doing the Lord's work, right? Her, her husband is a doctor. Like, let him come home with whatever the fuck he wants for, like, the next two years. Just, hey, like, we are going to have to edit this <laughs> so he doesn't hear that because... <laughs> he ain't listening. He's busy. He's busy. <laughs> he's going to be like, Shaney said... Shaney said, I have permission to buy yet another pair of sneakers. I mean, Jesus, you're going to need a new house soon. Um, oh, my God. I mean, no. like, if I come home with a new cat, I come home with a new cat. And whoever I'm with needs to be okay with that. Like, I'm not calling someone up from the shelter being like, do you mind? Like, no. If I want to adopt another cat, that's who's coming home. And likewise, if he would like to bring home a new cat or a new dog, I feel like I would just be like, "Mm, we have the kind of household and relationship where that's cool. And hopefully the backyard to support it. (laughs) That's the kind of life I want to live. I I also want to live on like a small farm in like rural England. But, you know, add that to the list. Okay, but just like putting this out there, if Jay came home with a dog, you would be so annoyed with him <laughs> for me because she would be like, wait, you just run that fucking for Because he's going to come home with a fucking golden retriever, not something like benign, like a normal sized dog. He's going to come home with a horse and he works He'll crazy with, hours. like the hairiest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you think the hardest thing about the work that you do I mean, I think this is true in writing and in podcasting in general. What's the hardest thing about what you do? The hardest thing is thinking that I'm ignoring someone because I don't have their perspective. The hardest thing is that I don't know what it's like to be someone who's not like me. And I worry that they think that I don't see them. I'm worried if I don't share an ethnicity or a religious upbringing or a location in the world with someone. And I talk about things from my perspective. I worry that it sounds very limiting to them because I can only speak about it as I have experienced it and Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to leave anybody out. And that makes me very scared and sometimes really cautious in what I say and what I write. And I don't yet know, like, what is the safer move? Like, just say what I have to say while also saying this is only from my perspective. Like, I don't really know how to make people feel seen the way that I want to make them feel seen. I, I, that's why like, I want to talk to everybody because I feel like s- sometimes very limited by my own perspective. Yeah. Well, honestly, that's one of the things that I love about you. And I think you do such a great job of it, not just on this podcast, but even over the years when you used to work at Domino, when you were writing, you were always trying to be as inclusive as possible, as diverse as possible. And having that awareness 
especially now is so important. And, and I know that people are doing it now and they know that it's a thing, but that has always been a part of you. And I think that comes across in um, the product that you put out and it's really, it's really impressive and I'm proud of you. Thank you. So I, so as you know, I listen to all of your, all of your episodes and in them, you talked about kind of dating apps and the issues that you've had with them. And I know that's obviously a lot of well, the way that people, single people meet other people. And you've talked about not using them and cutting them off entirely. What was the turning point that made you decide, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm literally, I'm going to delete every single app on my phone and then not put them back on immediately after. Yeah, this is the realest answer that I will give. Um, this is 100% honest Real truth. Real talk. Real talk. Um, this crew has heard me mention Lacey Phillips before. And I have written on the topic, and I will link to what I've written on the topic for anyone who has never heard that name before. But I do um, what I refer to as like self-work um, that is based on a program designed by a woman named Lacey Phillips. And... I started doing that work because it's like, and I hate using the word manifestation because I feel like people will like hit stop and like go do their laundry as soon as I say manifestation, but I don't care. This is how I'm living. Um, it was, I found her work in January of 2019 because I just wasn't, I was, I felt like I was living kind of half a life and I needed more. I needed to be living my life more fully. And I found her work and it sounded nice. I mean, having everything that you want sounds really nice. And then I, I dug deeper into it and it was about far more than just like manifesting a new car, or a new apartment or something like that. It was much deeper. It was much more subconscious. It was much more repair the things that are in your life that you've picked up over the years, the limiting beliefs that you've picked up over the years, repair those and start living a far better life. And that appealed to me massively. And one of the first things I learned through doing her work was to get rid of everything in my life that was not serving me. And that sentence, like hearing her say that sentence, that like Mm -hmm. things in my life that aren't serving me don't have to be there was so smart and so easy and so logical. And I was like, I've been on dating apps for a decade and I've never had a relationship result. Not one, not one apps aren't serving me. And so I like I immediately like deleted my accounts and then deleted the apps like fully gone. I have never felt so light and like free as when I deleted those apps. I'm like, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to swipe and never match with anyone anymore. I don't have to feel that weight of rejection anymore. I don't have to feel so small, like I'm begging for men's attention. You know those assholes who are like, say more than hi? Like those dicks? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I have to entertain you to get you to pay attention to me? Fuck you. I am a grown woman with a doctorate. You can eat a dick. Like I was, I, I can't stand being made to feel <laughs> like I am this lesser person. And now I know what, what all that is about and like why I have felt so less for so long and I'm working on that and I don't feel that way anymore all the time. But when I heard that, like, I could clear the things out of my life that were not serving me and I started doing that and I felt how good it felt to clear things out of my life that weren't serving me, all you have to do is experience how good that feels to make them stay gone. Like, 
I changed the way that I was looking at dating apps. They were not serving me, not I just haven't used them enough yet. I just haven't gotten yeah. lucky with them yet. Like I just haven't done the right strategy yet. That was gone. And what was happening was dating apps aren't serving me and they never have. Now they're gone and I'm so much happier. So it was Lacey Phillips' work that inspired me to delete them, but it was the way that I felt that kept them gone. Well, I also remember you saying that it freed up so much time for you to do the things that did serve you and did bring you joy. And if I'm correct, this podcast is one of them. It's my favorite one. It's roughly the same hours a week. Isn't that crazy? You think you're ever going to go back? To the dating apps? Fuck no. The only thing <laughs> that could get me to delete a dating app, and I will say this on air and I will not cut this out. The only thing that could get me to re-download a dating app as a courtesy would be if instead of focusing on how they can make sure that single people can still date during a fucking global pandemic, one of these dating apps could pitch in and lend a hand where it's actually fucking needed. But instead, all I get is, don't worry, you can still date during a pandemic. We've implemented video chat. Don't worry, this horrible thing that you are, <laughs> we can take care of it during a pandemic, honey. Don't worry. Shut the fuck up. Go help. You have engineers at your disposal. You have a full team. Lend a hand where it's needed. And if any of these dating apps do that, I would give them a try. But so far, all I'm hearing are like pitches for, do you want to write about our app? We've got all these new features that help you stay connected in the dating space. I'm like, I don't think dating's the priority right now, but thanks. I get very upset. I get very upset. I mean, yeah, it's enough to rile anybody up for sure, especially sort of any sort of selling mechanism, mm -hmm. which, you know, as we've discussed in tech, you know, I know there is an economy to run, um, but it definitely can feel a little disorienting at times. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? Okay, so you're not, you don't have the app. Um, you're obviously out and about in the world with the idea that you're going to meet somebody organically at some point. But in those in-between times, what do you do to not feel lonely? I have you. <laughs> we do. We have each other. And we have each other. I have, have a... Yeah. We're, we're doing great. I think we're yeah. doing great. Um, what do I do to not feel lonely? I think I've reframed the way I think about lonely. I think I've thought of, I've started thinking about like my time alone. I mean, not during the pandemic. This is a fucking extreme. But like most of the time, I, I try to see it as a gift. Like, you know how I spend Christmas Eve alone. And it's like my yeah. favorite thing. Every Christmas Eve, I, I don't see it as, oh, I'm alone on Christmas Eve. I always think in my head, like, what if you're not next year? And this was the last time that you got to do this. Because it's I love it so I much. That. I love my, my personal traditions so much that um, I always try to enjoy my alone time to the last drop because I know that as a human being, we are designed to live in communities and we are designed to partner and to love each other and to have family and, and community. And, and I know that the default setting for me personally is definitely in partnership. And I know that that's what's coming for me. It's what I want. And I know that's what I'm going to have, but on the way there, I want to make sure that I enjoy this time as much as possible and thinking of it that way and, and, behaving in my own single life that way is I think how I avoid loneliness or how I have so far yeah. the the quarantine is challenging that but yeah well I think that mentality is so important not just as a person who is 
single and eventually at some point is hoping that they will find that partner that will uh, bring a light to their life. But it's in any stage that you're at, whether you don't have the job that you want or you don't have the career that you want, or maybe you have kids and it's, and it's a moment in time and we're just looking for the next, the next step or the next stage. And it's, I think the lesson is these moments are fleeting and we need to suck them dry for all the good and the bad they're offering and be grateful for it. And when that next stage comes, it's also going to have the sweetness and the bitterness. And that's life. Mm-hmm. We're just and here just to learn. Be content with, yeah. You, you just be content with where, with where you are right now. Agreed. So you've touched on kind of talking about at some point when the right person comes along being in a partnership. What? does that partner look like to you in terms of not physically, but what is it that you're looking for in a partner? Um, I know in 2005, let's not, let's not discuss 2005 Shaney's (laughs) desires for partnership because they were twisted. They were twisted. They were so superficial. They weren't just you. We were all, we were all that person. Well, that's true. Um, but so, but so now, what are you looking for? Uh, I've thought a lot about this lately because I don't, like, I've had to get clarity around this stuff because I think if I have the time to think about what actually matters to me in partnership, I should probably identify that. I have a list, actually. Um, yeah, so I, I did write them all down recently because um, part of Lacey Phillips' work is, like, making, like, lists and getting clarity around what you want. Um, it just, it sort of helps you, like, as you move through the world, like, knowing what you want. Um so yeah, I actually have a list of what I want in a partner. And it's more about like how I would like to feel in a relationship. There are a few like things that I would like him to be. But in general, um, I would like to feel valued. I would like to feel very valued and very important. I would like to feel like I am a treasure to someone. I would like to feel like someone feels lucky to be with me. That's actually why I wear a pearl around my neck is because it's like I ideally this is a reminder every day that I'm a treasure because pearl is a treasure. Oh. Hmm. I it's love all, that. Thanks. It's also my birthstone, which is convenient. So like a couple superficial ones that I will give you just because they're entertaining, obviously tall. That's always been what I've been drawn to. Like it just, I don't know. I mean, it's not like, it's not super rare that women like tall men. I think that's the fucking given sometimes. Um, I have always gravitated toward British men. I don't know why it's, I think it's like a maturity thing or like a presumed maturity thing in my head. Cause like all the British men that I've seen like in like media or like, just fantasy worlds just seem like they're more mature than what I'm dealing with here. But I also want to be with somebody who loves to work because I love to work. And I feel like that lends itself really well to people that love to work that are very invested in their careers. I think that complements well. Um, I have never admitted this one before. I would like to be with an early riser because I am an early riser. Yes. I get very, very irritated by men who sleep half the Saturday away and I feel like I have to tiptoe around my own goddamn house. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live like that for the rest of my life. I would like somebody that wakes up early, maybe not as early as me because I understand I'm on the extreme end of that spectrum, but I would like to date an early riser. I think that would be really nice. I like the idea of a morning spent with someone. So basically I guess that rules out people who are, would be working like overnight because you guys would be on different schedules. 
Because I think generally now in our age demographic, no one's really sleeping till noon. Fair point. Like it's not like, you know, they're not like going out to all hours. I mean, hopefully not anyways. But yes, I definitely think in our 20s that was a thing that happened. But now I think most people are, if if we're on the same schedule, that they're not sleeping till noon. But yes, I, I agree with you. I think someone who can have a morning and make breakfast with you and maybe like read the New York times or whatever it is that you're, whatever it is that you're reading is a beautiful way to start the day. Thank you. I agree. And I had always been so resistant to that. I had always thought that I was the weird one or the wrong one for waking up so early. Cause I always felt that way on like sleepovers with friends and stuff when I would wake up like two hours before everyone yeah. else in the house and I wouldn't be able to do anything but lay there <laughs> we never you and I didn't know each other when we were very small I wish we had because then I could have played with your Samantha doll and that would have been really fun for oh me. God. <laughs> um what else do I have I I have on here I would like to be with a chill and willing traveler I would like somebody who likes to travel and is very easy to travel with I don't want somebody who's like who like I feel like I have to make sure they're having a good time all the time. I don't want to be with someone like that. I would like somebody that travels like me that's just like very curious and wants to explore everything. Um, oh, this is a, such a good one. I want to be with somebody who handles shit. Like um, there was a time when I was living in LA and I was in a car with a bunch of friends and one of the guys that was with us we were like waiting in a long ass valet line and it was taking forever at like some restaurant we were going to. It wasn't even like a fancy restaurant. It was just like everywhere in LA has valet. And it was taking a really long time. And he was like, no, he got out of the car. He gave money to someone and we were parked next. And he was like, it's done. Like that sort of just like handle it. And I'm not saying like with money, I'm saying like in any way, like yeah, handle this, like that sort of thing. Like when I moved over the summer and there was like a big snafu in the day, like the landlord made the movers leave and come back at night. It was just like a mess. Like I couldn't handle that. My anxiety was so high. I didn't know how to talk to these people to get them to stop dicking me over. Like it just felt like I felt very bad and very, my anxiety was so high. I wasn't able to like command the situation. I wish that there had been somebody there with me who could have just handled it. It could have been a girlfriend. It could have been anybody. I wish that there had been somebody right. to just handle it. And I handle most things. I handle all things because I'm here by myself and I'm living my life. I would like to share the handling of things with someone. I would like yeah. to be with somebody who's like, you know what? I've got this one. I would really like to be able to to share that mm -hmm. responsibility. Um, I would like someone who's not a mess. I would like someone who's put together who like perfect fucking example. And you know who I'm talking about. Every time I used to go to the movies with a former partner, he would forget his glasses every fucking time. So guess who learned to put the glasses in her purse? I don't want to have to put your glasses in my purse. Put them in your own damn pocket. Put them in your own damn pocket. Yeah, be a pocket. grown up. Be a grown up. Be a grown up. I have on here, I would like to be best friends cool. with this person, but I feel like they'll have to share that, that title with you and with Barbara and with Connor. Sorry. <laughs> Well, it's out, it's, out, it's out in the universe, so. Thank you. Yes, it is. I mean, shit, it really is now, isn't it? Okay, so this next set of questions has more to do with kind of your professional pursuits and kind of how you got to where you are. Um, how did you become a writer? Oh, born that way. Definitely born that way. I've been writing yeah. since I'm six. Since I learned how to form sentences together, I think I've been writing. 
I think what they really mean is like, how'd you start getting paid to be a writer? <laughs> like, how'd you start earning your living this way? Yeah. Um, I was always told that I couldn't do this for a living. I was always told that writers don't make money. And that is a huge limiting belief that I've had to overcome and shatter. I think, how did I become a writer? I just tried. I just tried. I was a lawyer before I was a writer. And um, I was a lawyer during the recession in, uh, in 2010. I was an attorney in Chicago, just like hating every breath that I drew. And I was laid off, as many people were. And I remember thinking, well, it's going to be impossible for me to get a job that I hate. It'll be just as impossible for me to get a job that I love. Why wouldn't I try that instead? So I, do you remember this? I sold vintage clothes on eBay to like pay rent in the interim. And I like waited for the right job to come along. And then Mm -hmm. the Refinery29 Chicago editor job was posted. And I was like, I'm getting this fucking job. And I did. And that's how I started writing. And also, you were, by the way, writing a blog in law school about bands. Mm -hmm. And it's not like you just out of thin air decided that you were going to apply for this job. You had had an outlet for several years. That no one is that, read. Is though. that blog still wrong? No, no, I no. read it. You, I mean, you did. You were most <laughs> of my traffic. Um, yeah. I had been just like dicking around writing for a long time, but I, I didn't. I remember I didn't have any writing samples to show Refinery. Like there, what really wasn't anything. I hadn't done anything. Like they, I still don't know. Like sheer force of will and determination, I got this job. I have no idea. But I still I, remember the writing test. Oh, God. That, yes, I murdered that writing test. And I remember I emailed Christine every Monday morning at 9 a.m. until she hired me. But yeah, I just I, I saw a job that I wanted that was like, I can do this. I can do this well. And I went and I got it. But then it was a long road from there. Like that was just a very like that was the start of a writing career that grew into a lot of different things. I did. I was an editor for many different like publications and websites. And then I started getting more into the startup field where I was doing like all of their like blog content and social media writing and brand voice writing, which has been a lot of the work that I've done in the last few years is like helping a brand figure out how they're going to say what they're going to say. Cause nobody really thinks about copywriting or or brand voice until they absolutely need it. So yeah, it just, I did that for a long time, a long time. And I was always working for startups. I was always working in very crazy environments. I was always hating my jobs. I always felt like I like, just existed to like impress a boss or something. And uh, summer of 2018, I lost the last of those jobs simply because they didn't need me. They needed a data analyst and they hired me instead and that wasn't working. So right. they let me go and I was just like, okay, well, guess I'm freelance now. Like when else am I going to be shoved into you're a freelancer now? This is very clearly what you should be doing. I had like one or two freelance clients already. So it was like, well, that's a start. Let's see what else we can do. So I just started writing a shit ton more, pitching a lot more, um, like got my LinkedIn really solid and started pulling in some freelance clients, a lot of word of mouth freelance clients. Um, yeah. So now I just, I am 100% freelance and it is without question the happiest I have ever been professionally in my entire life. I mean, I think it took a lot for you to even get to that point because there were so many years where you were like you said, it was such a limiting belief for you to be a writer and that kind of like financial insecurity of whether this job was going to come, what, you know, if you were going to be able to pay your rent. I mean, there was a lot of work that went into kind of getting to where you are today, not just 
writing, but mental work. And um, I mean, I- I've seen how far you've come and it makes me so happy to see you living your life and waking up every day and really loving what you're doing. It's been a long road to get there. I don't want anyone to think that it was easy or fast. We're talking about right. like, we're really talking about a decade at least of time that it it took a very, very, very long time and a shitload of work to be able to do this, to be able to be sitting in the middle of a pandemic, to have paid my rent yesterday and to not be freaking the fuck out right now. Like yeah. that took a lot yeah. of work and it still will. It's always going to take more. But the difference is like I used to treat every job like it was the last one that was going to come along. I used to treat every date like it was the last one that was ever going to come along. Every opportunity like had to work out, like had to had to fit no matter how yeah. shitty the situation, how low the pay, like I just had to get it. And now I don't treat it that way. Now I'm going to be paid what I'm worth or I'm not going to do the job. Now I'm going to be treated the way that I deserve to be treated or I'm not going out with you. It's it's like, it's just a different way of operating in the world. It's, a, it's coming from a place of self-worth and not from a place of lack. And that's been the biggest change. Yeah. And I, I mean, you talk about this and I feel like you're such a strong person and the way that you put yourself out there in the world is so brave. I mean, you put yourself out on the internet and you are an open book, I think. And there are a lot of things that we share personally that you put out in black and white on very widely read publications. And there is a dialogue that happens in the comments, whether you are part of them or not, where people make assumptions or accusations um, or have interpretations of what you write that I feel like when I read them, I'm like, this is horrifying and it's hurtful and it's, you don't even know me. And you're basic, basically have made this character of me um, out of a few lines that I've written. And I think you have to have a really thick skin and I don't know how you do it. Tell me, how do you deal with these negative comments? Because it is truly inspiring to, you. To, to know that you, and I know you read them. I read every comment. I read every single comment that comes in. So all the self-work that you've had to do, mm-hmm. I'm sure has helped get to a point where you can put yourself out that way because you know that that's the expectation. But I'm you're human. Mm-hmm. I won't say that like I read them and they never hurt for sure. You read hurtful things all the time, but I approach it like with two, two strategies. The first one is you're never going to make the whole internet happy and you're never going to make the whole internet understand what you've written. Not everyone is operating at the level that you are operating or from the perspective that you're operating from. Some of the time they just don't understand what I've written. There are very clear reading comprehension issues that happen on a lot of my work. Like, They can say mean shit about me. I can say mean shit about them. Um, But really what's happening is I'm just not going to make everyone happy. There's no way for me to make the whole internet happy. And everyone is entitled to their opinion. And thankfully they are. Because if they're entitled to their opinion, so am I. Mine makes me money. So absolutely say whatever you want. You're only increasing my engagement rate. Leave those comments, honey. Leave them. But the other thing that you have to remember is that, at least from in my beliefs, I don't think that we come into the world mean. I don't think that we come into the world hateful. And I think that anyone that is saying something rude or cruel or degrading or biting or just just 
so, so hard for, for people to read if you're that person that's been set about. Um, if you're the person that's doing that, I think you learned that somewhere. And I feel bad for you because at some point in your life, you learned how to be mean and you learned how to be judgmental and you learned that it was okay to do those things publicly. You know, you learned that instead of just like not liking something and, you know, closing your browser and walking away and doing something else, you learned that what you should do is say something mean about the person who wrote it. And I feel very bad for whatever happened to you that the result was your behavior like this. So I try to remember that we didn't come here mean and they learned it somewhere. And I feel, I feel very, very bad for them. Um, And that's what has made it easier for me to read those comments and to see what the dialogue is about my work. I want to know what the dialogue is about my work because it makes me a better writer. Yeah. I think that's such a compassionate way to look at it Um, because it's so true. And there's that cliche thing that hurt people hurt other people. Um, But really, putting putting it out there you're doing a service and if some if one person and i think you say this to me all the time if one person sends you an email and says this has taught me so much it negates every other negative comment because you are in fact helping somebody when you read that first email where someone's like i feel so much better now thank you how could i ever do anything else with my time my purpose is very clear to me when somebody writes and says that I helped them feel better, I mean, my God, like there's just, I love writing and I would do it even if I wasn't paid to do it. That's how you know you love something, by the way, if you do it for free. I podcast for free and sometimes I write for free. Like I know I love these things. <laughs> but like that that knowledge that I helped somebody who wasn't feeling great feel better is absolutely phenomenal. There is no better way for me personally to spend my time than to help women who I don't think have any business feeling like shit just because they're single to make them feel better and to help them see that this thing that we are is a completely valid thing and a completely okay thing. Like it's what I want to be doing because I know that it helps and I want to help. So what is something that people don't know about you? Oh my God. You should answer that. Shit. I can't keep track of everything that I I will. What do you think people don't know about me? I I know that nobody knows how excited you are when someone announces a pregnancy. <laughs> you are the most interested, happy person with like exclamation points and texts and emails. Like, did you know so-and-so was pregnant? And I'm like, Shaney, I love your enthusiasm because I don't share that enthusiasm. Of course, I'm so happy when people are expanding their family and, and, and especially for those people who've had a hard time expanding it. But you, since we were 25, have always been really, really excited for other people's happiness, which I think says a lot about you as a person. And I don't, it probably doesn't come out in these podcasts or in writing that you genuinely get excited for other people's milestones and things that I'm sure at some point you may or may not want. I know you've said that you don't want kids. um, But the fact that you can be that happy for somebody else is really lovely. And I don't know, I don't think people 
would necessarily think that. Not because it doesn't, they just wouldn't know. It they just know. doesn't come up. They wouldn't know. I but your enthusiasm. It's a, yeah. First of all, I don't have to raise them, change their diapers, or send them to college. I think that's fantastic. But more than anything, like, it's a... Wait till, wait, wait till you get the godmother mm. a call. And that is the only <laughs> circumstance in which that will be fine, mm-hmm. that I'm fully signed up for. Fully. Um, and it's, like, solidified in podcasts now. Um, <laughs> but I, when you really think about what's happening, it's a whole person it's not just a baby. It's a whole life. It is a whole ass life that is about to come here and be. It's so exciting to me that like, like people want to do that, that people want to take on that kind of massive responsibility to bring a human being that will like have opinions and have a job someday and like a whole ecosystem of life around it it's a very big deal I, I like I think I like more people joining the party and I especially love it when it's it's coming through like someone that I love and it's in my life right I like that a lot because I it just it's really beautiful yeah you already know you like the DNA well yeah I've approved it <laughs> I've, I've, I've approved this um <laughs> I just I like the idea of more people coming to the party and especially when I know who's raising them and I know how lucky this kid is about to be and how lucky we all are because we all get to experience the rest of our lives with a new person. I love making new friends. And literally when you think about it, your friends are just making your new friends for you. They're just giving birth to them. (laughs) Like it's fantastic. I think it's great. I have zero desire to be a mother myself. And part of it is probably like, that might be some of my enthusiasm is like there are more people coming to the party, but like I'm not their mother because that's not the role that I want to play. But I very, very much want to play the auntie for sure. And I think the way in my life that that's going to happen, certainly going to happen the soonest is with my friend's kids and baby thighs. Okay. Come on, baby thighs. They're so squishy. And the rolls and the <gasps> little wristbands. The wristbands. The toe, the feet. Feet. Oh, my God. Okay. Next question. Okay. So this, the question was describe your perfect single girl day, the New York and Paris versions. But I really think it's more describe your perfect day mm. in New York and in Paris. Got what it. would you do? Where would you eat? How would you pass the time? How would I pass the time? Much this, this is going to sound like an asshole thing to say, but much the same way I do every day, not in quarantine, but like I get up really early. I am up before or with the sun. I spend the first massive chunk of my morning writing, which I love to do. I am either writing for myself. I would say 90% of the time I'm writing for myself. The only time that I write in the morning, it's not for me is if I do, if I'm writing for refinery, I can do those in the morning. I like that too. So spend my morning writing. I would... I would definitely do something to do with this podcast. Either I'm in the Facebook group talking to people or I'm recording or I'm reaching out to guests that I want to talk to. I love days that include some element of being outside, like on a roof or a patio or in a park, something like that. Some element of nature in there. Absolutely eating at a restaurant that is like, like a super shiny restaurant with fucking natural wine and like... (laughs) Like probably like at the Fly in Brooklyn or at Hearts, something like that. Those two restaurants are like very on brand for me. Um, 
God, my dream day. It's not, it's, it's insane to say it, that it is not that far off from what I do all the time. Isn't that great? Isn't that nice? That's the dream, Shamie Silver. That is the dream. I know. It's kind of weird. I mean, obviously there are things that like, actually, I I wrote a list for this too recently. Like, like uh, one of the exercises I was doing for my Lacey Phillips work was like, I decided I wanted to like map out what I thought like my most magnetic day was. Like, what did the day look like when I was the most myself and like the most authentic and like whatever wasn't in that day was what I was calling into my life. Like that's what I thought was missing and that's what I wanted to bring in. And there were only a couple things on there that I was like, no, this is definitely what I'm focused on on bringing into my life now because that seems like a very natural like additive to, to the daily flow of things. Some element of like, you know, I like this. I love to plan my travel. I love having a trip to plan. Oh, I know. You've I know. seen this. You've seen the lists. You've seen the, the insanity. Um, I've but, seen the itineraries. I've oh, seen yeah. the spreadsheets. Oh, yeah. I love that shit. I love it so much. I love it as much as traveling. Um, and that's I'll be doing it all summer because I was supposed to go to London in two weeks and now I'm yeah. not. So I will be re rejiggering things for an October trip if everyone stays home now and we get to travel by October. Well, you know, it's so funny because so when we went on that trip to London that I like tacked on that you so gracefully allowed me to, to crash. Normally, I'm the planner in my relationship in terms of any sort of plan, not just like with my yeah. husband, with friends. And it was so nice to have that taken care of because you had already done it. But I really hope that at some point I will be able to plan a trip for you oh. for whatever reason. Whatever where reason. It's take, where, where it's you're taken care of. I mean, I know <laughs> to some extent that happens in New Orleans when you come and visit me. Every time. Um, but I, I feel like that's one of the greatest gifts I could give you is a weekend of <sighs> just shady things that I know you would love where you didn't have to look at one review one trip advisor, one blog, um, and we can travel together. And it will happen. Of course it will. It's of course happen. it will. That's not a, that's a very normal thing for you and I. Travel is a, is very much a part of our, a part of the DNA of this friendship. Travel is a good move. We've, we've been doing it a while. I will say though, like the first day that this shit is lifted, I'm buying a ticket to New Orleans. I really am. Like I'm coming wow, down there. there's a, there's a, I mean, as you know, there's a, standing invitation and a standing bedroom which by the way the bedroom is still there for you will still be there for you Thank so you. don't think that what are some of your favorite spots in new york mm. um especially food wow i sh- you know what i should have researched this ahead of time because it's you know how over- overwhelming that question is you've lived in la and new york like you know put it, put it, put it in the show notes I, I that's a perfect idea thank you i will put stuff in the show notes i think um I mean, anything infatuation tells me to try, I'll try. They typically get it spot fucking on. They're really, really talented at what they do. Um, But I also think they're like looking at things at the same kind of lens that I look at. Like I think about going out to like a bar or restaurant or any kind of venue. I think about it as like the whole experience, not just the like what you're consuming, I guess. Like Mm -hmm. it's a whole, oh my God, last night the first like like restaurant casualty of the quarantine came through my friend Alona tagged me one of my favorite restaurants in Brooklyn is not coming back after quarantine it's called Cherry Point and it's it was the hardest thing to read and I'm like this is just the first one and I got so scared at like everybody that worked there and like all the restaurants that won't come back it like freaked me out so bad I'm like I'm never gonna go to Cherry Point again this is that sucks 
not nearly as much as it sucks to have coronavirus, but fuck, like that's what else is going away. Now I'm really scared. But yeah, it's places like that. There's so many places in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, actually, that I really, really love going to. Anything with outside seating is a winner. Wait, do you have a travel guide for New York? Do I have a travel guide? No, I have one for Paris, but I don't have one for New York. I probably should have one for New York. You should definitely have one for New York. (laughs) Do I... do I travel here or is it just like, do I live here? Well, that's what, isn't that what we want? An authentic experience. We're not looking to see where the tourists are going. Everyone wants to know what a local in Brooklyn is doing. Then go sweat your ass off on the subway for 16 minutes before <laughs> the F train arrives and do your best. Like that's, that's an authentic fucking experience. Yeah. And also give us your best subway tips as like, okay, listen <laughs> to me. If you are listening to this and you have never taken the subway in New York, When you see an empty subway car, your first instinct will be, oh, great, this isn't crowded. There's a reason. Move down. Don't get on an empty subway car ever. I don't want you to know what ungodly substance it smells like. You don't want to be there. You don't want to know what's happening. Walk away. Walk away from an empty subway car. I learned the hardest way possible that lesson right there so learn from my experience kids avoid the empty subway car at all costs okay last question yes ma'am what were your goals when you started this podcast and what are your goals now and where do you see it going Hmm. when I first started the podcast the goal was that someone would listen to it I didn't have any, there was, with you, you would have like a 10 step like plan. You would have like a full outline of your goals and objectives for starting a podcast. I fucking leapt into it with no goals and no plans. I talked to Jess Mernan for an hour and then I just like pulled the trigger on this. Um, she's the reason a Facebook group exists, by the way. She was like, you need to have, she's a gem. Her. her podcast is called One Part Podcast. Listen to it. She's amazing. Um, But she has a Slack group for her podcast. And she's like, you should really have a Slack group. And I didn't want to do it in Slack because I felt like that was like teaching people new skills. And I didn't want anything to Uh. like be a barrier to joining. And I was like clicking a button on Facebook just sounds easy. So that's why there's a Facebook group. But no, when I first started, I had no goals for this. I just wanted to do it and see what happened. I wanted to see like, I just wanted to know what it was like. It was, I was very curious about podcasts and I wanted to see what would happen. And it, you know, good things happen. Did you listen? Did you listen to podcasts before? I mean, I, I mean, of course, I'm sure you like had one or two that you would listen to all the time. But like, was there a podcast that you were like, this is really great. And this is. Well, my whole 20s, I listened to This American Life. And that was always something I was really, really into. Um, I love that. I love um, I love vintage mediums. I don't believe in Kindles. I, I want to hold the book. I love radio. I will always love radio and I'm so glad radio still exists um, and that it hasn't completely gone away despite streaming and, and all the things that could kill it. I really like vintage mediums, I think in general, and I like the idea of voice. I like, I like the idea of people being able to create something that they want to create and podcasting. Anyone can do this. Shaney, I, I don't think I've told you this, but your intro I find your voice so soothing. <laughs> no one has ever said that sentence about my voice ever. ever. I, uh, <laughs> I think the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, 
Do you know how lucky I had to get to record that intro? Do you know how early in the morning I had to wake up? Because if I had done it with when the sun was shining, the noise, I've tried to re-record it like seven or eight times and the background noise is so severe that I can't do it. So now it's going to be like basically that intro until like I'm in a studio someday, <laughs> essentially, like that's what's going to happen. It, it is lovely. And you may, when your book does come out, I strongly suggest you negotiate to be the audio voice. Thank you. For this book. I'd love to. I love, I also love that. I love audio books. I love the idea of somebody listening to my book while like on a road trip. Like that's fantastic to me. That's a wonderful idea in my head. So what's next? What's next for the podcast? Ooh, I, you know, I want that. I want that Apple podcast homepage. I want like, I want more people to know about this because the people that do know about this are very into it. The response I get from my listeners and from people in the Facebook group and from the emails that I get is so positive and filled with so much gratitude. I want more people to know that it exists. So I would just like this to grow to the point where it gets in front of more people and more people know that it's out there and hopefully enjoy it. Um, Because the bigger the podcast gets, the better, right? Like the more people I get to talk to, the more people like, like a lot of the time people will suggest guests to me. And like, for lack of a better way to put it, the guest is just too big for me to get. Like right now, that's not, that's not my reality. It will be someday. Tracy Ellis Ross is guest zero. Like it is the ultimate goal is to talk to her. That's obviously not something that can happen right now. But someday I would like to have grown this to be more than a podcast. I would like to grow this into something like that's a much bigger like ecosystem of of connection for people and something that helps people feel much better. I, I like I like the idea of this being in front of more people so that hopefully more people can feel better. So hopefully hopefully it grows. So how can people help you get to that goal? They what, can, what, oh. what 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 can they do? Two primary things. One, go on Apple Podcasts and rate it and review it. I say this to them all the time. They're probably sick of hearing it, but I have thousands of listeners every week and fewer than 300 ratings. So Avengers, assemble. And then the (laughs) other thing, the other way to do it is share it. Just email it to a friend, text it to a friend, tell a girlfriend or a boyfriend who, I don't care who you send this, send it to your mother. I don't care who you send this to, but if there's someone in your life that you wish understood single life better or understood this perspective on it or needs to hear this or needs to feel less alone or needs to know that you're thinking about them, something like that. I, I think the easiest thing to do is just to send it to people. I love you, Shaney Silver. I love you. Happy Swami anniversary. Nara. Thank you. Happy <laughs> anniversary. Had I not been in quarantine, I would have had a cake oh. for you of some sort. I know you would have. It's you're so good at sending cakes. You are the best at sending cakes. <sighs> Yeah. Well, I love you and congratulations. Thank you. And I'm so proud. Thank you so much. It's so crazy hearing happy anniversary come out of a mouth and it's aimed at me. Like, that's really cool. That's really cool. <laughs> Isn't that great? Okay, I'm going to stop recording. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being with me for a year. And let's go do another one. I love you guys. <laughs>